Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, let's go to Genesis chapter 45. We'll be there in just a moment. As we saw uh, earlier in uh, the weekly uh, update, uh, next week, Clayton King's going to be here. He's one of the best preachers in the entire country, so you're not going to want to miss this opportunity to be blessed by him, as well as invite somebody to come. And so whether you're at Bearden today watching and engaging, or you're here at Maryville or online, you're going to want to be here next week. God is going to move, and there's going to be some great things happen, and uh, we really need to bring those folks who may be far from God or maybe just need uh, just some, some energy and just a positive experience. It's going to be um, uh, fantastic. When I was uh, five years old, um, my parents put me in basketball for the first time, and, and so I uh, played in the, in the driveway, but this was my first experience, and so the, the league was at the YMCA, and, and I remember, you know, uh, going out there and just having a good time. But my one, one Saturday morning, dad brought the video camera. He had just got it for Christmas that year. And back in the day, you had those VHS tapes that are this big. How many of you guys remember those? Anybody? All right. And so this camera was like one of those big honking deals that you had to sit on your shoulder. And so that's kind of funny. But uh, dad was videoing this, this game. And so that's why I have this memory. And so what happened was I was I was dribbling the basketball and this bigger guy comes to guard me and he kind of like body checks me and I fall to the ground. He steals the ball and then he takes off down the court, right, to go steal. And and so nobody at that time told me what to do or how to respond in that situation. I knew exactly what to do. I jumped to my feet and like a ballistic missile, I charged after that kid I caught up with him and it is on the film. I lowered my shoulder and I body checked him into the bleachers. <laughs> and the refs are blowing their whistles and my coach is yelling at me. And I'm like, had I known that was against the rules, you know? Uh, I go back and watch that and like the whole thing plays out. All you can hear are, you know, uh, the whistles uh, blowing, the refs yelling, and my dad hysterically laughing. <laughs> So that was great. But what's funny about that story is that nobody had to teach five-year-old Trent how to get revenge. Oh, buddy, I knew how to do that. The truth is every single one of us have within us this sin nature. And when we are hurt, when we are embarrassed, when someone does something to offend us, we immediately have this sense of justice that, that clicks within our heart and mind, and we want to get them back. We want revenge, and we want to go after them. And for me, as a five-year-old, here's kind of what my motto was. Hurt those who hurt me. <laughs> and when you're growing up, this is kind of what you feel, isn't it? And, and then you get a little bit older and then you get friends and people hurt you more and you're in relationships and you start dating and maybe marriage. And, and, and this never really goes completely away, if we're honest. Like it always kind of rattles up, you know, there in our head and in our heart. And, there, and, and the reason is because we have a hard time forgiving people that hurt us. Uh, we have this sense that we want to hurt those who hurt us. And so today I want you to wrestle with this question. What do you do when somebody hurts you? Are you quick to forgive them? Are you quick to let that go? Or are you the kind of person that has that quick fuse? You're the kind of person that gets really angry. You're the kind of person that, that doesn't want to forget and you kind of hold that over people and you bring it up all the time. 
Today, we want to really kind of wrestle with this idea of anger that might be within your heart. We want to wrestle with this idea of bitterness in our heart, uh, because if we're not careful, we'll allow those things that have happened in our life that hurt us. And, and, And here's the reality. Everybody listening today has been hurt. You've been hurt by family members. You've been hurt by your spouse, your kids, a coworker, a friend. We've all dealt with um, being offended or hurt by somebody. And some of these things are deep, deep wounds. I mean, some of you as kids were hurt very deeply by a family member. Some of you really have a story of, of how a spouse has hurt you. And, and so there are some really deep pains and wounds that are within us. And, and, and the reality is if we don't deal with that bitterness, if we don't deal with that anger within us, then what happens is it festers in our heart like a cancer. It just grows and grows and grows and it robs you of happiness and it robs you of joy in your life. And then it becomes the filter through which you parent. It becomes this this filter of how you show up at work, how you show up in your marriage, how you show up at church. And it's just always there. And so no matter what happens, your response comes through that filter of that bitterness and that anger. And, and, and if you don't deal with it, then it continues to grow and you become this broken version of yourself. And you miss the blessing of, of life that God wants you to experience. And listen, the guy we've been studying for the last five weeks, he knows all about hurt and pain. He knows all about suffering. His brothers beat him up and sell, sell him into slavery. He spends years in prison for a crime he doesn't commit. This guy knows about suffering. And if anybody dealt with anger, if anybody dealt with bitterness, it was Joseph. But he has a a way of dealing with it that we want to learn about. And and so uh, catch you up on the story. If you missed any of these messages, they're online. I encourage you to go back and and catch up. But Joseph, uh, last uh, Sunday, we talked about, he, he told the brothers to come back with their younger brother. And so when they go back and tell their dad, Jacob, Jacob is like, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. You guys might die. And then he finally says, all right, I trust God. I'll have faith. And so he lets them go back. And so they go back and they stand before Joseph again. Of course, they don't know. Remember, they don't know it's Joseph. And he feeds them. He, he sees his younger brother, Benjamin. And so he's so excited, but then he still doesn't reveal himself. And then he sends him home. But then he, he has his silver cup, his favorite cup placed in Benjamin's luggage. And so they leave and then he sends the guards after them. And, and uh, they, they, they go and they arrest them and they find the silver cup and they say, you stole from him. And they take him back to Joseph. And Joseph's like, you stole from me and you're going to go to prison now. Whoever stole from me is going to go to prison, be my slave, you know, forever. And, 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 and that's when Judah remembers that he said, I'm going to protect Benjamin. Remember, he protected him, told his father, I'm going to be responsible for him. And so Judah stands up in front of this man and, 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 and he tells the whole story. And it's a beautiful passage in chapter 44. You go back and read it this afternoon. And after he gives this plea towards uh, Joseph, Joseph realizes that Judah has been changed. His brothers have been changed. They are forgiven. They are men of integrity and they are men of character now. And so he is willing in this moment to finally uh, share with them and, and reveal his true identity. And so in chapter 45, we'll start in verse one. 
So then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, make everyone go out, of the, go out from me, go out of the room basically. So no one stayed with him uh, when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it. The guys that he told to leave the room, he was crying so loud they heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. They're speechless. They're like, what? It's been 20 years since they sold him into slavery. For they were dismayed at his presence. Verse four, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. So Joseph in this um, scene, he clears the room. Everybody leaves except for his brothers. They're trembling before him. They don't know what it's about to happen. And Joseph reveals who he is. And they don't have, they're like blown away. It's been 20 years. They couldn't recognize him, right? And in this moment, they're just, they're they're dumbfounded. Now, if anybody had, you know, what we would say kind of reading the story, like you have the right, Joseph, to torture them, to throw them in prison. That would be the movie that we would all want to go see, get them back, take revenge, right? But he doesn't do that. What we see is a completely different story. Let's keep reading. Let's jump down now to verse 10. He actually says, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. You and your children and your children's children and your flocks, your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you for there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. Then hop down to verse 20. He says, have no concern for your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. (laughs) Instead of taking revenge, Joseph is forgiving. He's saying, I want you to go get dad. I want you to go get your wives, your children, your grandchildren, all of your flocks, everything that you have and move them to Egypt. I'm gonna take care of you. There's five more years of the famine. How in the world Does this guy have the ability to forgive these men who wanted him dead, sold him into slavery, and essentially, when you look at it, tried to ruin his life? How could he do it? How is it possible? Well, only only God can do it in his heart. The Bible is clear that you and I are commanded to forgive those who hurt us. In fact, write this verse down. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. When I read that verse, I wanna go, God, why did you have to put that one in there? 
I like it all except for that one, right? We don't want to have to do that. That's extremely difficult. Forgive those who hurt us. Now, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? If you were going to write a definition, how would you like define that word? I, I think it's one of those words that we kind of know the concept, but we, we, we're all kind of confused about what it actually means and how to actually do it. I mean, it's kind of like the word love. If we went around the room and we all talked about our definition of love, there'd probably be thousands of different definitions of what love is. We all kind of understand the concept, but we all kind of define it differently. And so what does it truly mean to talk or to understand uh, forgiveness? And so let me start by just kind of mentioning what it's not. Sometimes helping us understand a concept like forgiveness is helpful when we know what it is not. And so here are a few points if you want to write this down. First of all, forgiveness isn't forgetting. So when you forgive somebody, it's not like you're, you're, you're required to forget what happened. You know, you're not gonna be able to forget some things in your life. People say time heals all wounds. Well, that's not really time healing anything. It's just us being forgetful. We just kind of forget about it. But really what we wanna do is forgive people. But when we forgive, it doesn't mean that we are forgetting. God forgives us of our sin, right? And the Bible says that as far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. So when God forgives us, he is removing those transgressions, but it's not like he has spiritual amnesia. It's not like God forgets and he can't remember anymore. That's not what's happening. When God forgives us, he's choosing not to hold it against me. When God forgives me, he's, he's not remembering it to condemn me any longer. And that's what forgiveness is for us. We are choosing not to hold it against somebody. We're choosing not to remember it in the sense that we're going to condemn them for it any longer. But forgiveness doesn't mean that you trust them immediately either. Secondly, forgiveness doesn't mean consequences are removed. So someone says, Trent, I forgive you. You know, my, my responsibility at that point is to say, I forgive, I forgive you. If they're asking for forgiveness, then my responsibility is to say, I forgive you. But that doesn't mean that we're gonna hang out on Friday. It depends on what they did. Depends on what they're doing. I've gotta be willing to set up some healthy boundaries in my life, right? And so, so based on what's happening to you, you, you and I are called to forgive, but there are still consequences in life when people hurt you. Like you're not just gonna hang out and pretend like everything is cool. We want to have their conversation release them from the guilt of what they have done. But I'm also gonna kind of guard against that so it doesn't keep happening to me. You don't, if you're experiencing abuse, you don't just keep letting that abuse take place. Like, like God wants you to, to, to create some healthy boundaries in that moment. Thirdly, forgiveness is not a feeling. So if you're waiting around to feel like forgiving somebody, you're gonna be waiting around forever. Because I don't really, I've never met anybody that felt like forgiving somebody. <laughs> I just really felt like forgiving you. No, I, I felt like punching you in the throat. <laughs> That's what I felt like. But I don't want to do things out of feeling. I want to do things out of obedience to God. And so it's not a, a warm and fuzzy feeling that we're waiting on, right? Forgiveness, number four, is not self-motivated. It's not self-motivated. And here's where we get this wrong a lot of times because Sometimes you hear over and over again, well, you've got to forgive them because it'll make you feel better. You'll feel better 
if you just let them go and you forgive them for that. And, and the truth is, if, if, if you're forgiving people from that self-motivated uh, place, then it's probably gonna keep circling around and coming back because when we forgive somebody, we don't wanna do that uh, based on a self-need. We wanna do that because we wanna worship God and honor God and be faithful to God. We do it for Him. And when I know that, that's my motivation, then when I'm tempted to feel bad and, and wanna get back at them you know, in the future, I'm reminded that, no, I did that because I love God, not because it felt good, that feeling is going to come and go. That, you know, the, 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 the feeling is, is so, you know, up and down and fluctuates. But my resolve and my commitment is that I love God, I worship God. That's why I release them. Number five, forgiveness is not private. So forgiveness is not just a, a singular unilateral act. It, it involves two people. It involves two people. So hang with me on this because forgiveness is not just about the person who was hurt. It's also about the person who did the hurting. In fact, a lot of people would teach that forgiveness is more about the person that did the hurting than it is for the person that got hurt. Here's what I mean. I, I think definitions are helpful in this. And Chris Bronze wrote a book I recommend to you. Um, in the book, Unpacking Forgiveness. And here's the definition that he gives for forgiveness. He says forgiveness is a commitment, okay? So it is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a commitment by the offended, the person that was hurt, to pardon. The word pardon is similar to the word justification or justified, like God pardons us of our sin. He justifies us, even though we are guilty, Right? Um, God sends Jesus, right, despite our sin, and he saves us through Jesus. And, and, and so he's deciding to justify you. Like in a court of law, yes, you're guilty, but I'm declaring you innocent because of faith in Jesus. And so when we forgive someone, we are pardoning them in that sense, releasing them graciously. And so here, here's the key, though. The offended to pardon graciously the repentant. So in this definition, forgiveness is given to someone who is repentful or they are sorry. They agree that what they did hurt you. And so you are releasing them. So that's important. They are repentant and, and they are then from the moral liability. So when I pardon, I'm letting them go. I'm letting them go from the moral liability. It's since that they feel guilty, they feel bad. But when I say you are forgiven, they are released from that moral responsibility. And then we're able to be reconciled to the person. So when forgiveness happens, reconciliation in the relationship, it can be made right again. Now, he closes by saying, although not all consequences are necessarily emanated. Again, that's where the healthy boundaries come into play. So I like this definition. Um, for some of you, this might be semantics. It might be a little confusing. So I'm gonna do my best to kind of lay this out here. But if this is true, then what he's saying here is that we can forgive someone when they ask for forgiveness. And so this is the tricky part, right? So, so somebody is asking for forgiveness and then we are commanded then to forgive them. So, but... But let's think about this. When, when you 
Let me ask you like this. Does God forgive everybody? Think about it. He, he forgives and is willing to forgive anybody that asks. But God isn't forgiving every single person in the world. That would mean everybody's going to heaven. The Bible is clear that only faith in Jesus allows us to go to heaven, right? And, and so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. So God isn't forgiving everyone. He's forgiving those who ask. Now, it does say in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is willing to forgive anyone and he is willing that none should perish but have everlasting life. So God wants to forgive everybody and he is willing to forgive anybody who asks. But 1 John 1, 9 is helpful for us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we ask, he is faithful to forgive. God, forgive me. His faithfulness says, yes, I will forgive you. And so we're told to confess. We agree that what we did was wrong. And then God, therefore, is willing to forgive us. So then in this and from this definition, biblical forgiveness is not just something that the offended person can just give. It requires that the offender actually receive it. And then that brings reconciliation to the relationship. And so the process of forgiveness is to free the sinner, free the offender. And then it ends the rejection. And so when God forgives, it's not like he, it's not like he feels better. No, I feel better because I was the sinful one. I was the one that broke his heart because of my sin. And so he releases me from that burden. So what does it mean? Where, where does that take us? Well, it takes us to this. We've got to be willing to forgive. You've got to be willing to forgive. When someone says, I agree that I heard you and I'm sorry for that, will you forgive me? Then your response is, in that moment, I forgive you. Don't say, it's okay. We hear it all the time. We try to teach our kids not to say that because it's not okay. It's not okay to hurt me. It's not okay to do that. But it's okay to ask for forgiveness and it's okay for me to say, I forgive you. That's very healing. It's very healing to the person that actually did the offend, offending. So then we've got to ask the question, what about when somebody doesn't ask? What are we supposed to do then? What if this person is dead and, and they can't uh, ask? Well, number one, remember that that's their loss. Unfortunately for them, they didn't get the, the release of the moral liability that you could have provided for them had they confessed to you and asked for forgiveness. But here's the question. If they, here's the question. Can you give something to somebody if they don't want it? I don't know, I'm asking, does anybody have a? <laughs> no, seriously, I think this is a concept that today I really just want to like spur conversations and, and maybe in your small groups talk about it more. Because the question for me is like, can, can I forgive, can I truly, based on this definition, can I, can I forgive somebody that doesn't ask? They don't ask for my forgiveness. God doesn't forgive people that don't ask for it. Should I? I think that is a, a, a really deep question and it really depends on your definition of forgiveness. Because if your definition of forgiveness is, oh, in my heart, I just have to you know, forgive them and let them go 
then yeah, I, I guess it, it, it kind of makes sense, but it's kind of like when we tell kids to invite Jesus into their heart. Well, that's not in the Bible and it's not always a helpful metaphor to use for kids. Maybe sometimes, you know, it's just one of those things where I don't know if that's helpful. And so maybe forgiving people from your heart is a helpful thing. I, I don't know if you teach that right, it could probably help. But maybe the reason why you're struggling with forgiveness and the whole concept is because you're focusing on the wrong thing. Your focus is on your feelings and your focus is on this word forgiveness. You're having a hard time saying, I forgive them. And then if you say, God, I forgive this person, the next day you still wanna beat them up. I think the problem that a lot of us experience is that, is that forgiveness is a process. It's, it, you have to, it takes steps towards forgiveness, right? That's the title of today's message, Steps Towards Forgiveness. And the reality is maybe the problem for you is that you're so hung up on that word that you've missed the real reality of what you are called to do and what you must do. And that is deal with anger and deal with bitterness. Deal with anger, confess anger, confess bitterness. Here's what scripture says in Hebrews 12, because this is the core. This is, this is the heart of where we're at. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God that no root of bitterness springs up or grows up within your soul, within your heart, because that causes trouble and by it, many become defiled. Unfortunately, some of us listening today have been defiled by bitterness. You've been defiled by bitterness. It's not only a root, it's a daggum tree that has grown inside your soul. And it's become the filter through which you relate to your husband or your wife. It becomes this, this ugly cancer within your heart that creeps up every time your kids hurt you and you lash out at them. You're, you're lashing out in anger against them, not because of what they did necessarily, but because of what somebody did to you 20 years ago. And you just not dealt with it. And you've not released that person. Some people might call it, you haven't forgiven them. I would just teach you today that you haven't confessed that bitterness. You haven't confessed that anger quite yet. And so what do we do to overcome that anger, that vengefulness, that bitterness? You've got to identify who the person is that hurt you. Who is the person? Because sometimes we have this misplaced anger. I'm mad at my wife and every time my kids do this and I'm yelling and I'm angry at them, but, but wait a minute, am I mad at them or am I mad at my mom because she did this or my dad because he did that or didn't do this. So that's a very real thing for us. So who is it that hurt you? Write their names down. This person hurt me, this person hurt me, right? Understand who they are and then answer this question. What do they owe me? What do I think they owe me? I think they owe me an apology. Well, I can't force them to do that. I'm not gonna get that necessarily. What else do they owe you? Will they owe me a, a new marriage or a, a brand new they, they ruined my dream, so they, they owe me a new dream or, oh, well, they can't give me that. They, they owe me my childhood back because they wrecked my childhood, Trent. That's what they, uh, well, that ain't gonna happen. What do they owe you? What do you think they owe you? Write it down, right? Figure out what it is you think they took from you. And then you say, 
All right, God, here's the moment of truth. They don't owe me anything anymore. You can call that forgiveness. You can call that confessing anger or confessing bitterness. What I call that is the next step for some of you. You got to release them and you got to say, okay, okay, okay. They hurt me. They did X, Y, and Z. They owe me this, but here, here's the deal. I am going to release them and they don't owe me anything anymore. Forgive me, God, of my anger and bitterness. Forgive me of the hatred that has built up. Forgive me of the vengeance that I think about and, and the conversations that I've had about them and the slander that I've, 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 I've caused and the gossip I've created all because they hurt me, they humiliated me. They did something against me, but I allowed the evil that they did to me to turn me into something evil. God, I'm sorry. It's not what I want. It's not what I want for my spouse. It's not what I want for my kids. It's not what I want for my future. I want to honor you. I want the good life. I want the life that only you can give. Life of peace and joy and purpose. And man, I've just wrapped myself up around this issue and I can't let it go. Maybe today the Lord will give you the grace to do that. We look at the life of Joseph, man. He, we don't know when exactly he forgave his brothers, but we know that he had to have done it because he, he, he doesn't retaliate. He's not taking vengeance. He's actually blessing them. He's actually telling them to move close and I'm gonna take care of you and I'm gonna make sure you guys have food and everything that you need. Now that's when you know you've truly forgiven when you, don't, you no longer have bad thoughts about these people, but you're able to actually pray for them or to actually bless them or be generous to them. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse 14, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. So what we have to do is we have to be willing then to forgive. We've gotta be willing. We've got to be able to say, you know what? This happened. This hurt me. This is who did it. This is what I think they owe me. And now I'm going to release them of that responsibility. I'm going to release the anger. I'm going to release the bitterness. If you're not willing to forgive, you refuse to allow others to enjoy what God has blessed you with. And that is where the sin now becomes on my part. I want to enjoy this forgiveness, God but I'm not willing to extend the same kind of forgiveness that I enjoy every day. So we release it, we let it go. We choose to forgive. We choose to lay down that painful situation, right? And, and I think it's also helpful as you're writing names and as you're saying, this is what they owe me. I, I think it's also helpful to write out how it made you feel. This is what it makes me feel like when I think about it today. We like to bury our emotions. We like to bury that so we don't think about it. But anytime you bury those emotions, you bury them alive. They will come back through the dirt and they will come out of your mouth again one day. It just takes that certain trigger, that certain situation to bring it and resurrect it back in your life. And so you've got to uh, write it down and just say, this is how it makes me feel. This is how I feel. And then we say, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let the anger down. I'm not going to hold that sin 
that they committed against me over their head anymore. I'm going, I'm going to release them. And remember, it's not a feeling. I'm not going to feel like doing that. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to say, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to release this in my heart, from my heart. Here's a couple of the points that help us do this. Scripture teaches us that vengeance belongs to God, not you. So you can, you can, you know, after you get knocked down in life, you can jump up to your feet, lower your shoulder, and tackle as many people as you want to into the stands of life. <laughs> but you're going to experience the, the repercussions of that lifestyle. If you're hurting people who hurt you, it's not going to go well for you. And so vengeance belongs to God, not to you. And, and, and so the scripture is clear about this. Romans 12, 19 says, do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. God says, I will repay. So it's not on you to go get revenge. You might think in your mind, well, he hurt me and he did this and then he got to go get a new relationship and he's rich and he's living on his high horse and he's doing all these great things and I'm the one that's left with nothing. You're torturing yourself with that drama because that's not true. Those who hurt others, God says, I'll discipline, I'll take care. You don't know what's going on inside of people's minds and hearts and what they're experiencing. That's why it's about faith and that's why it's about trust. And that's why it's saying, I'm not gonna let my mind go there. I'm gonna take captive my thoughts. I'm not gonna let my thoughts go there. And I'm gonna rest assured that God is gonna do his part and he's gonna take care of that person. He's gonna deal with them however he sees fit. My job is to make sure no root of bitterness grows within my heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna release them of that sin. Thirdly here, I think this is huge. We've got to gain the right perspective. This is helpful. We gain the right perspective. If we have the, the right perspective, right, then we have the right heart. So right perspective equals right heart and right heart equals right attitude. And if we can get to that point, that's, that's healthy. That's where we want to live. But if we have the wrong perspective, God hates me, God doesn't love me, everybody's against me. If we play the victim card in, in, in our life, then we don't have the right perspective. And, and, and so we miss out on the opportunity to grow. But in verse five, look at it in your Bibles. Joseph says, God sent me here. You sold me into slavery, but it was God who sent me here to preserve life. That's the right attitude. That's the right perspective. Now, it took him 20 years to get there, granted, okay? Keep that in mind. Give yourself a little grace if you're like, I'm not there yet, I'm still dealing. We get it. it. took him 20 years to be able to say this. God sent me here to preserve life. In verse seven, it says, God sent me to preserve a remnant on earth. He's talking about his 11 brothers because they become the 12 tribes of Israel. So they're in the land of, of Egypt. The, the, the people of God, the family of God grows to thousands of people. And the, this Pharaoh who knows Joseph uh, blesses them and, 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 and provides for them. But then that Pharaoh dies, Joseph dies and another Pharaoh takes over and doesn't remember the story of Joseph. And then he, he hates uh, the, the Israelites and so he enslaves them and then what does God do God sends Moses and then you can go and read the rest of the story but that's kind of where we're at and so 
Joseph had to go through the humiliation, the pain, and the suffering. Why? To save thousands of lives, he fed them. To save this remnant so that the family of God would grow into the 12 tribes of Israel. And then so that one day, out of those 12 tribes, the line of Judah would produce the Messiah, Jesus, that would come and save the world from their sins. So what Joseph is doing in this moment affects you and I. He had to go through it. God, God took him through it. And he had the right perspective in this moment. And here's the other side of this. So to flip over to Genesis 50 as I tell this. So time goes on. Jacob finally dies. Um, they have a glorious reunion. It is, fan- it is just a beautiful moment in Scripture when they meet each other. And, and then Jacob dies. And then all the brothers are like, uh-oh, our father is dead. I wonder if Joseph really forgave us or if he was just doing that because of Jacob. And now that he's dead, he's coming after us. And so they're afraid. And then in chapter 50, here's what Joseph says, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Some of you have put yourself in the place of God. You're the judge, you're the jury, and you're gonna be the one responsible to hold people accountable and the wrath of you and your unforgiveness and bitterness as anger is coming out. Joseph says, I'm not in the place of God. Vengeance is God's. I'm not gonna be that person, right? You intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Do you see what's happening here? This is the truth for you and me today. You've got to recognize that God works all things for your good. What someone meant to do evil against you, to hurt you, God says, I'll take that and turn it around and I'll use all those evil things for your good. See, God doesn't cause evil in your life. It wasn't God who sold him into slavery, but God used the sin of the brothers to turn it around for the good of not only Joseph, but for thousands of people's lives that would turn into thousands, if not millions of people, right? To receive Jesus, to have faith in him, to experience salvation. See, this is the good news for every single one of us that no matter what you've been through, no matter how painful it's been, no matter how much hurt that you have, God can take those experiences and turn it around and use it for your good. Here's what it means today. It means that God's not done with you. It means that that the best part of your life is in front of you. It means that you have a decision to make. You can say, I'm going to continue to get back and take revenge and be angry and I'm going to do this. Or you can, you can say, God, I released them. It hurt. Here's how it hurt. Here, here's their names. Here's what I think they owe me. Here's how it made me feel. But God, I'm going to release them. You're going to take care of them. Forgive me for my bitterness and my anger. 
turn this thing around in my heart. May you get the glory and the honor for it. And then God changes you. And you become a brand new creation, a brand new person. And maybe this doesn't happen overnight, but you start taking steps. And yes, you start experiencing the peace of God. And, and yes, there are days where that, that old feeling comes back because you get triggered and you're just like, oh, maybe I didn't forgive them. It's like, ah, it's not about that. Let's not get into that. Let's get back to the bitterness and anger. I need to confess my bitterness and anger. I need to focus on that. Confess my bitterness, confess my anger. And when they ask, if they ask, I'm willing to forgive. I am willing to forgive them. I'm willing to tell them those words. I'm telling you, if you can get to this place in your life, in fact, I know God wants you to get to this place in your life. You finally start to experience the peace that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the peace that transcends all understanding. And now you start parenting differently. You start interacting with your spouse on a totally different that playing field and your, your response to them is way, way different, much healthier. Work is way different because you're not looking at everybody like they're coming at you and attacking you. And now it's like way different and it's a process. I think Romans 8, 28, and here's where I'll close is something that always brings me hope. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. The promise is for those who love him. Who love him. Do you love him? If you love him, if your faith is in him, you're called according to his purpose. And part of that purpose is forgiveness. It's hard, but that's what he's calling us to. And I want to give you an opportunity right here, right now. Those of you at Beard and those of you watching online, those here in the room with me, let's take a moment to actually practice this together. Let me ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to take a wild guess and I'm going to say that there are several people in the room that need to do this. And so what we're going to do is Ben's going to come out here and lead us in a song and while we're worshiping and singing I just want to just want to ask this is heavy on your heart like this is something you you are wrestling with today just come forward here at the stage kneel down kind of as a physical representation to God that you would come up here kneel down the stage there in Bearden and just say God I release this person I release my bitterness I release my anger they don't owe me anything any longer I wonder how many are willing to lay that down today. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, heavy hearts, you give us direction, give us the grace to lay this down before you. I pray, Jesus, that people would begin to start experiencing freedom in this place, that chains would be broken, hard hearts would, would be softened forgiveness would take place healing would follow God that you would begin to turn lives around and turn situations around today fill this place do what only you can do in our hearts and we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all and we pray this in the name of Jesus amen 
Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.